You know, we've, uh, last couple of three weeks, we've been talking about peace. That thing just keeps getting bigger and bigger and bigger. And that, our, that if we pray for peace, that it covers all those other things. That we don't have to go through an itemized list of saying, Lord, take care of this and this and this, oh yeah, and this and this. If we pray for peace, we usually ask, if we think about it, we ask in our prayers for God to change something to make it better for us. And it's like the guy said, sometimes he calms the storm and other times he calms the sailor and the storm's still right there. We've seen that over and over with Jesus. All the things that he removed to make things better for people. But so many of those things that were not good for him were still there. And he was still calm. And that's another word. Is to stay calm when the problem is not removed. And we have a tendency to do that. To ask God to change it for us. And we need to remember that the real goal here is to change us for God. And he uses this earth that we're living in under this satanic system that the devil has created to change us, to make us where we can have peace. That's one of the few things we'll have in heaven that we work on down here. There really won't be that many things in heaven. We, we learn patience and peace by tribulation. And there's no tribulation in heaven. So we'll have up there what we get by the time we get there. So we really have to thank God for all the things that happen to us here that bring about change in our life that will make us more worthy to be in heaven with Jesus. And that's the kind of stuff he's had on my mind these last several weeks. And I was thinking about the big picture. And there, I, I'm, I'm beginning to realize how many things there are in this world that Satan has set us, set up to keep us from being like God wants us to be. We are his work. What we do in good works is what glorifies God. And to attack us is really the way to attack God and his good works. To keep us from getting anywhere with what we're trying to do. To keep us from letting people know what God has done in our lives so then people can say, well, glory to God because of what, they, what he did in him or her. One of the things that works so tremendously hard against us having any kind of a little glory to God is the evil spirit world. We don't know near enough about it. I believe the people that walked the streets of Jesus knew more about Satan and his work and the work of the spirit world than we know today. 
They knew that Satan was in control. And when Jesus started taking those demons out of people, they saw that Jesus had the power over Satan. And that was one of their biggest things that was recruiting them for the church is here comes a being on this earth that is more powerful than Satan. And we got to check into it. We got to see what's going on. Looking at the scope of the enemies that God has in this world that is dealing with us because to get to him, you have to deal with us. It's amazing that we get anything going very much at all anyhow. And like I've said, this is this church is the most automatic thing that really happens in my life. I mean, God is going to go on with this whether I'm doing what I need to do or not. Whether I'm being what I need to be or not. And I tend to take it for granted. And that's a shame. And he reminded me of that last night. But there's something going on here in this world that we normally don't focus in on. And I'd like to show it to you this morning because I think some of you don't know about it. And it's an everyday thing. In the Bible, it's every day. And we need to realize that, what we're up against and how much we need to pray for our own strength and mercy and grace to get the things done that God wants us to do. If you will, turn to Daniel chapter 10. I want to tell you a story that Daniel tells. It's one chapter, chapter 10. Daniel, you know, was a Hebrew boy. He's Jewish. He and the three Hebrew children that went through the fiery furnace all got scooped up and take, and were taken to, to Babylon as a result of Jerusalem living evil. Well, a few of those Hebrew boys, Daniel was 16 at the time, got chosen to help run the government of Babylon. The king, Nebuchadnezzar, chose some of the, the best people that came out of that capture to help him run his own country. They said that smart kings did that in those days. They would take the wisdom out of a place they conquered and use it to help make them stronger. And that's what he did. And so he put Daniel over a part of his kingdom. And for the 70 years that Jerusalem, the Jews, were in captive in Babylon, Daniel had that position the whole 70 years that they were there. And he got a lot of things done for the Israel 
Israelite people as one of the second in command or third in command in the whole country. And a lot of things he did with Nebuchadnezzar on a one-on-one basis that helped the Jews in that country. But this thing happened one day. According to the Bible, it's not that big a deal. I got an idea. It happens all the time. I believe it's happening every day now. But we don't have occasion to see it because our eyes and our ears are not spiritual enough to know what's going on. But we need to know because we need to prepare ourselves for that that we have to deal with. So I want you to listen to this story and we'll see that, I mean, there was nothing special you might say about Daniel. I mean, he was born to Hebrew parents just like so many of the kids were in those days. He was a human just like you and I. He had the same problems you and I had. And he had to deal with the same problems that you and I have to deal with. But he was special in this. God used him as a prophet to speak to the Israelite people that were in, in, that being captured by the Babylonian people. So let's look at it in chapter 10 and verse 1 of Daniel. In the third year of Cyrus, king of Persia, a thing was revealed unto Daniel. Now that's an interesting thing. I went back and looked it up. It's real easy to find out when Cyrus was king of Persia. So, I mean, Daniel, in writing this, even gave us the exact year that it occurred in 536 B.C. This thing happened. A thing was revealed unto Daniel whose name was called Belteshazzar. They changed his name when he went to Babylon, called him Belteshazzar. He was Daniel in Jerusalem. And the thing was true. What The vision he had, what he saw, was real. But the time appointed was long. In other words, he saw this vision, and what the vision was about was going to happen way into the future, so it wasn't something he had to be real concerned about right now. And he understood the thing and had understanding of the vision. Now, do people have visions today? I think so. There's so many of them that are accounted for in Scripture that had them in those days. I think they got them today too. I think we don't recognize them as visions, and I think we have a lot of dreams that we just pass off as nightmares. Maybe we, you know, ate too much something and disagreed with our stomach before we went to bed. I don't know. But in those days, verse 2, Daniel was mourning three full weeks. Now Daniel had asked God in a prayer to reveal something to him about what was going to happen to the Israelite race, the whole race of people that were there in Babylon. Some of them were still back in Jerusalem. But to get an answer to that prayer, Daniel was mourning three full weeks. I ate no pleasant bread, Neither came flesh nor wine in my mouth, neither did I anoint myself at all till three whole weeks were fulfilled. He fasted and didn't eat anything nice for three weeks in order to get an answer to this prayer. And in the four and twentieth day of the first month, 
as I was by the side of the great river, which is Hittichel, or the Tigris River we know today. Then I lifted up mine eyes and looked, and behold, a certain man clothed in linen, whose loins were girded with fine gold of Euphaz. Daniel was down by the river. He was in three weeks mourning. He was trying to get an answer to his prayer, and this guy dressed up in a weird way showed up right in front of him. His body also was like the barrel, and his face was appearance of lightning, and his eyes as lamps of fire, and his arms and his feet like in color to polished brass. And the voice of his words like the voice of a multitude sounded like a great number of people speaking every time this person said something. And I, Daniel, alone saw the vision, for the men that were with me saw not the vision. But a great quaking fell upon them so that they fled to hide themselves. They got so scared, they got shaking so bad, they ran off and left. They, could, they knew something was going on like they did when Paul was, was converted. But the men with them couldn't hear words. They just heard a noise of some sort. Now this is what is called in church history a theophany. This man that appeared to Daniel was Jesus in his pre-incarnate form. He took on the shape of a man and came down here on earth and dealt with us before he was ever a babe in Bethlehem. Therefore I was left alone, Daniel said, and saw this great vision, and there remained no strength in me, for my comeliness was turned in me under corruption, and I retained no strength. What he had going for him went bad. He was sick. He looked bad. All of a sudden, he just to look at him, it looked like he'd aged 30 years maybe or something. And he's weak. He can't hardly walk. He's so weak. Yet I heard the voice of his words, and when I heard the voice of his words, then was I in a deep sleep on my face, and my face toward the ground. When the man started speaking, Daniel was flat out on the ground with his face in the dirt. Behold, a hand touched me. The man touched him. He's on the ground in a prone position with his face in the dirt, and a hand touched me which set me upon my knees and upon the palms of my hand. He got up on his all fours, on the ground, still scared to look up and see what he had seen. And he said unto me, O Daniel, a man greatly beloved, understand the words that I speak unto thee and stand upright. For unto thee am I now sent, and when he had spoken his word unto me, I stood trembling. Now look, picture this. Daniel's by the river with a group of guys. All of a sudden he sees this person that's dressed up real weird, looks real funny. He probably realizes he's got to be some type of heavenly being. And he wound up flat on his face on the ground. Every time Jesus appears to somebody like that, that's the way we wind up. 
is on the ground. And then he told Daniel, stand up. And Daniel said, I stood up and I was standing there trembling. Then said the man unto me, Fear not, Daniel, for from the first day that thou didst set thine heart to understand. Understand what? Understand the things of God. And to chasten thyself before thy God. What does that mean? That means as I learn what God wants me to be, I make myself start being that. If there's anything that I'm doing or what I'm, I'm or part of me that God's not approving of, then I get it out of my life. I start cleaning myself up as best I can. Thy words were heard, and I am come for thy words. This being tells Daniel, and this is something I've got highlighted in yellow. From the first time Jesus tells Daniel that you started trying to understand the things of God and started changing yourself because of what you were learning, your prayers have been heard. We haven't missed one of them in heaven, not one. So how do you get your prayers heard? You start trying to understand what God is all about and start changing your life to, to, to be what God wants you to be. That's a guarantee. Your prayers will be heard. But look what this guy told Daniel. But the prince of the kingdom of Persia withstood me one and twenty days. This, this person tells Daniel, look, since you changed yourself, we've always heard your prayers. And I have been coming here to the earth to see to it that you knew the answer to your prayer. But the prince of the kingdom of Persia, that is a satanic being, a bad angel, if you will, a demon, if you will. They're very organized. They're assigned to different parts of the country. And what he says was, but the prince of the kingdom of Persia, that demon that's been given control over the country of Persia, withstood me 21 days. What do you mean withstood? The word over here in chapter, in verse 20, then said he, knowest thou therefore I come unto thee? And now I will return to fight with the prince of Persia. What does it mean for the Persian prince, the demon, to withstand the man coming to answer Daniel's prayer? They were fighting. They were fighting. There's a fight going on because when Daniel prayed and the demons heard Daniel pray and then they could see that a messenger was coming out of heaven to answer his prayer, they waylaid him. And they fought for 21 days. The good heavenly being and the demon from the earth fought physically 
for 21 days. And look what he says. Withstood me one and 20 days, but lo, Michael, one of the chief princes, came to help me. And I remained there with the kings of Persia, with the demons. Michael, another angel, came there, and we double-teamed that booger. And we still fought for 21 days, but when we double-teamed him, I got away from him. And I came here to answer your prayer and to show you what's going on. And he's going to say later, now I got to get back because Michael's probably having a lot of problem with this thing. Now I have come to make thee understand what shall befall thy people in the latter days. He's talking about the seven days of tri- seven years of tribulation. It's part of the, the, the prophecy of Daniel and Revelation. For yet the vision is for many days. And when he had spoken such words unto me, I set my face toward the ground and I became dumb. I quit talking. I didn't want to say anything. And behold, one like the similitude of the sons of men touched my lips, one who was like Jesus touched my lips. Then I opened my mouth and spake and said unto him that stood before me, O my Lord, by the vision my sorrows are turned upon me and I have retained no strength. Now that I understand what's going to happen to my people Israel that you have given me the answer to this prayer. I'm so weak I can't talk. For how can the servant of this my Lord talk with this my Lord? For as for me straightway there remaineth no strength in me neither is there breath left in me. This you're coming to me and showing me what and telling me about what's going on has got me to the point where I can't say anything. I've got no strength. It's all I can do is just sit here and listen to what you're saying. Then there came again and touched me one like the appearance of a man, and he strengthened me. He gave him strength. And said, O man, greatly beloved, fear not. Peace be unto thee. There's that word again. Peace. Be strong, yea, be strong. And when he had spoken unto me, I was strengthened and said, Let my Lord speak, for thou hast strengthened me. Now I'm able to understand you, and I'm not scared to death of you, and I don't have to stand here and tremble because you're so close to me. That has been the case of every time heavenly beings have appeared here on this earth. The humans who were around them, were so greatly affected, they they couldn't do anything. Then said he, Knowest thou wherefore I come unto thee, and now will I return to fight with the prince of Persia. And when I am gone forth, lo, the prince of Greece shall come. When I'm getting over there, from what I can understand, that demon from Greece is going to come over and get in the fight too. 
Please understand that the world is divided up among the demons. They have different qualities. They have different endowments. They have different jobs. They have different ranks. And they're all given the world to reign over and rule over and try to cause to bring to nothing everything God tries to do. But now, but I will show thee that which is noted in the scripture is true. And there is none that holdeth with me in these things but Michael, your prince, apparently Michael was the angel that was assigned to Daniel. I don't know. But now, this is an amazing thing. That's the end of the chapter. This is an amazing thing here. This being from heaven is showing to an earthling, Daniel, what is going on in the spirit world at that moment and what his role is and what he's doing and what he's trying to get done. He was on his way to answer Daniel's prayer and one of the demons jumped him. They fought for 21 days. Another one came in and helped him. And apparently there's another one on the way. And he came and rushed and told Daniel to answer to his prayer. And he's got to get back and jump in the fight again to keep him off of Michael that was helping him. I believe with all my heart, people, that that's going on every day. It's happening right now. If you feel a need to pray in the next two hours, maybe you see something. Maybe it's just a thought that comes to you. Maybe it's a responsibility. Joe, you need to pray for this because it won't happen if you don't. Understand that there are all kinds of forces out there that are trying to keep your prayers from being answered. They get between you and your God and you and your Holy Spirit and try to keep you from being successful as you work for God. I'd like to show you something. The spiritual world is an invisible world. You must know that. Spirits are invisible. There are some spirits, I know because this one did, there are some spirits who can take on the form of a man. And there are several accounts in the Bible where these Invisible people did those things. But I want you to find, to see some things that I've learned just in the last few days about these beings that are invisible that are called in your Bible spirits. And 
An angel is called a spirit being when he is invisible. So there's this whole world of invisible beings that are called spirits. They can fly anywhere they want to go. They can snap their finger and be here and then be 10,000 miles over somewhere else. Philip did that, you know. They took him 28 miles. When he got through baptizing the Ethiopian eunuch, it said that he disappeared there and showed up 28 miles on the seacoast. Just boof. That's the way they can do. They have glorified bodies. Body, a glorified body is a body that can live on earth and live in heaven at the same time. Remember what Jesus told Martha there at the tomb? Don't touch me because I hadn't gone to the Father yet to get my glorified body. I've got to live on the earth right now. My body has been as such that I can live on the earth. But now I'm fixing to get returned to a glorified state where I can live in heaven and live on earth too at the same time. Now, angels can do that. But when Jesus took on the form of a human, he lost that ability to live in heaven and live on earth at the same time until he got it back after his resurrection. Simply put, folks, and we've had arguments, scholars argue about this continually. Occasionally I get in one of those things where I happen to find myself in an argument between some of these smart people and God. And they talk about it, oh, that's just ideas. I mean, it's, no, no, no. The Bible calls them people. They are people. Every spirit is a person. They're not just an idea. You may not can see their hands because they don't have hands or their feet or their toes or head or nothing else. But they are people without a physical body. That's what they are. They can indwell people. They can indwell animals. And they're put on this earth by Satan to try to thwart every single thing God is trying to do. And what God is trying to do is through us. So they got, we got to be their target. They're created beings. They're not a race of people like us. They don't propagate. Angels don't propagate. They can't have children. They don't marry. They don't die. They live forever. With that in mind, that demon that has been in charge of Briarfield all these years, Montevallo maybe, that knew my daddy, knew my granddaddy, knew my mother, knew all the weaknesses they had. When he starts to come to me to try to get my weak spot, he knows already where it is because he knows my DNA back a thousand years. They've got the advantage on us, folks. They know us backwards and forwards and upside down. And we have got to have spiritual strength from the Holy Spirit in order to be able to combat these things. Now think about this for a moment. Michael is an archangel. He's the only one that's called that in the Bible. And he and this other guy, and apparently Jesus, in a precarnate form, 
were all fighting one team. And it took three of them to get it done. It says in our scriptures that the angels will not even be rude to a demon because they realize their power. They have no bodily organism but have revealed themselves to men in bodily form. We've seen them. We didn't know for sure who it was to start with, but we've seen them. Think about on the Mount of Transfiguration. What was it? Elijah and Moses and Jesus was up there. They appeared in, in their, their regular form because they were recognized. And Jesus himself said, they don't marry, they don't die, and they're not a race like people. Scripture describes them as personal beings. They're people-like. Not an idea that's good or bad. But there's one thing I want to bring up. When Scripture mentions an angel, it does not choose to differentiate other than what they're doing, what they're being about, whether they're good or bad. So when it says an angel, you've got to determine what that angel's involved with to know whether it's a good angel or a demon, a bad angel. Now there's been arguments about whether actually the demons are those angels which fell with Satan. I don't know. I'm not smart enough to figure it out. But where are all those guys? One third of the population of the angels in heaven were kicked out with him. Where are they? I don't know. I got an idea that those demons. There's no other explanation for demons in the scripture. So it must be them. These spirits have superhuman intelligence. They're smarter than me and you. But they don't have all knowledge. They're not, not omniscient like God and the Holy Spirit and Jesus. They don't know everything. They're stronger than men, but they don't have all strength. But they are stronger than us. And you know, so many times when they possess somebody, like that, 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 that man that lived in the graveyard in Jesus' day, they're in Jerusalem. I mean, people were scared to walk by the graveyard because he would beat them up. And they said the record showed that some people had been killed because, by him. And they are not glorified human beings. Heaven does not have a new angel called Granddaddy Die. It don't happen that way. When you get to heaven, you're going to be have a glorified body and be who you were on earth. We just won't be married. We won't have families up there like we had down here. They're a distinct group of created people that are like so much of men, but they're not men. They're not humans. They're not us. 
John in Revelation saw 10,000 times 10,000. That's a lot of people. That's a lot of spiritual people that can take on the shape of anybody. They can fly. They can become invisible and then come back with shape. They're stronger than you and they're smarter than you and they know you way better than you will ever know them. That's what you got to deal with. And they're active today. It's going on all around us. And you've got to be able to see that this activity is happening in this world now. There are two wars. There are wars going on between these two groups of people, the bad people and the good people. And they're fighting within us, Paul says. And John also saw, saw thousands of thousands. That's hundreds of millions. That's a lot of spiritual beings that are opposed to us. Great body of people, both good and bad, and they are highly, very highly. They said the description of their organization is military terms. They're organized in the world like the military is organized. You've got colonels and captains and lieutenants and sergeants and whatever, and people that are over, uh, demons that are over other demons, and spirits that are over other spirits. Do not think for one instance that they don't cause flat tires, and blowouts. I don't know if you've ever been in a direction when you didn't need to go. Maybe you've been stopped a time or two. As you get older, you look back on those things and you wonder. But it's something God would do. It's something the good angel would do. It's something good people would do and the bad people wouldn't do it. And when you get up close to 80 as I am, you begin to see your life spread out before you and find out that the decisions that were made for you in your life weren't all yours. <laughs> you would have been a mess if they had been. And you probably at this point in my life called to preach at 60. If I had followed my decisions, I probably at 60 would not have been somebody who would have been equipped to even think about preaching a sermon. That is what is out there. And there are so many accounts just like this one today. One fellow prayed. He was an important fellow. He was. Had an important position. He was. Daniel was. He was one that God had closed the lion's mouth to keep him killing after he was made to put him in a lion's den. But this man had a vision come to him Daniel, and he found out, and, and, and it sounds like the, the guy that came and told him about it was in a, in a hurry to get away from it. Like, you know, I can't be here all day. I got to get back to the fight. And to know that that many beings whom you've never seen and can't see are fighting 
so your spiritual life will be a successful one. That's something. That is something. You remember those James Bond movies about how many people were creating all kind of cars and guns and all that kind of junk. So many people were behind him, equipping him with all that stuff so he could do what he was supposed to do. It kind of gives me that idea about us. Do you realize that God has had such an expenditure of people and effort in order for you to be successful in your relationship with him? They're they're everywhere. They're all kind of visions like that. And I'd like to share some of them with you to show you what some of the spirit world is doing just like this one right here. But it's common, everyday happening in the spirit world. And it's going on all the time right now. And we don't even know about it. Very few times we even get a clue that something might have happened like that. We see the evidence in each other well, it looked like maybe she or he was going to do something else and they changed their mind. But I know this, it sure did make it nice for me. Wonder what happened. Wonder what happened. When you realize that your children have been assigned an angel since they were born and that angel has been watching out for them and it says those angels are looking out for our help our welfare, keeping us out of a jam. And to know how important we are in this whole scheme of things, God has done everything just about that I know of He's done because of this group of what is called in the Bible the elect, those that are going to be Christians. God's done it all for us. And He planned it all. He knew who we were going to be thousands of years before we ever came into being. He knew what we were going to be like. He's got the plans written down somewhere in a book, it says in Psalms 139. So please understand something. We have a tendency as people with our natural minds and our egos and our selfishness is to think that the light is just shining on me. Nobody else is in this thing but just me. Woe is me. I always have problems. Every time I turn around, something is happening. No, it's bigger than you. And it's bigger than me. And it's bigger than all of us. And one thing I saw in 1 Corinthians that I've got to speak on later, I couldn't get it all today. It says, the church of God, that's us, is different. To a person, there are no two people dealt with by God the same way. It says, what if everybody in the church had the same gift? They'd all be trying to preach. They'd all be trying to give money. They'd all be trying to help somebody. They'd all be loving somebody or whatever. It wouldn't function. Laying there in the bed last night in the dark, I thought, and after I read that, and I was thinking about it, and I thought, if the whole body was a nose, say I'm a nose, I mean all over I'm a nose. I don't have hands, I don't have feet, I don't have a head. I'm just noses everywhere. 
and I had an allergy. And all these noses got to running at one time. Now that's weird stuff you'll think about. But the thing I thought about was I wouldn't even have a hand to wipe my nose. Because a nose can't wipe another nose. But that's the absurdity of thinking other than the way God thinks. He's got everything planned down to every little thing. It still amazes me that a horse that's maybe eight, nine, ten feet long stands that tall, weighs as much as 17, 1800 pounds. One little bitty fly that you can't even weigh can light on him in one place and he can take a hair, hairs of a tail that's six or seven feet long and knock that fly off of him right where he is with one swip. Have you ever thought about stuff like that? And God created all that. And it's all different. It's all different. None of it's the same, and we're all different. And we're supposed to be different. So that every problem God has gets covered by somebody that is already equipped by God to do the job. That's the reason we got to be so careful about jumping up and grabbing a job and volunteering when there's another person better qualified just two pews sitting down the road. You see what I'm saying? This week I became utterly amazed at how with all of this going on, I mean, this is turmoil, people. This is nothing at all like New York traffic. I mean, it's not. This is turmoil everywhere. Wars going on between the good and the bad in the whole world. And here we are, a little old creature no bigger than me with a pea brain trying to do something for God. And you know what? Some of it gets done. <laughs> but don't you think for one moment that I know that he does it. I read something a few weeks ago that has been burned in my brain ever since. That when God calls a man to preach or teach, I think, because a, teacher, a preacher's got to be a teacher. When God calls, it says in Hebrews, when he calls a man to do this. Not those people that heard about it and went, but them that's called and sent. He gives them two things. If you're God called to preach, you've got two things automatic. Number one is you get a compassion for the people that you're, you're talking to. You get a responsibility for trying to equip them to be able to live with God in such a way that all this other stuff can't get to them. That's a hard job. And if God didn't do it, you couldn't begin to. And the other thing God gives a preacher, not just responsibility for his people, but the knowledge that he's nothing himself. A true knowledge of how little capable he is 
of being able to do anything. So it only makes common sense to me why not just turn it over to him and let him do it and stand back and watch. Because he's so good at it. So like I said before, I mean, several things have hit me since, you know, I was a couple, three weeks ago in the hospital and couldn't walk and couldn't think of a word and all the other stuff. And God has said, there's some things that need done around here. You don't have to start it. Don't stop anything you're doing. You've got your ministries. I've got mine. But I think God's going to add something to all of our ministries. It will make this church stand out even more than it does now. Please be looking for the opportunity to in some way hold God's hand and help this church. Let's pray. Father, thank you for calling us before the beginning of time. Thank you for following it up and seeing that we became Christians. Thank you for the special place you've got each one of us. Thank you for the job that you've got out there for us to do. Thank you for equipping us to do those jobs. Thank you, Lord, for our individuality the thing that makes us so different than everybody else and still so specially endowed that we can do work for you. Lord, cause us to pray for each other and for this church and for the ministry that's out there and for who might be somebody you might choose that would become a part of who we are by your word. So Lord, look for, teach us to look for opportunities to be what you'd have us be. Thank you for Jesus, in whose name we pray. Amen.